नमस्ते टुडे इज द जगन्नाथ पुरी रथ यात्रा डे एंड वी हैव स्पोकन ऑन ए नंबर ऑफ ओकेजन्स ऑन दिस सब्जेक्ट सो आई विल नॉट टेक दैट मेनली बट समथिंग एल्स बट इन द पासिंग शिवरबिंदो स्पीक्स ऑफ जगन्नाथ रथ यात्रा एज दर इज अ ब्यूटिफुल राइटिंग द चेरियट ऑफ जगन्नाथ वेर ई स्पीक्स ऑफ द Uh, chariot as being a symbol of ideal society perfect society and the four wheels of the chariot are unity freedom knowledge and power and at the center is the deity lord jagannath the lord of the world <laughs> but he also says that in the human such a society has not been created till today so today uh, in fact he says it has been distorted so instead of the lord at the center what is taken what sits at the center is an ego either an individual ego or the collective ego the place of unity has taken place to uniformity again by the collective ego so it is no more the unity which is centered around the divine but a unity which is centered around the collective ego around society what i mean you have to conform that's how you become a member of the part of the society similarly freedom has been replaced by licentiousness so whatever one feels like one does it and that is regarded as freedom and knowledge is replaced by knowledge again should be centered around god so all these fourth aspects unity should be centered around divine freedom should be centered around divine meaning thereby everybody should be free to approach the divine in their own unique way this is the ultimate meaning of freedom because there is only one true freedom and it is the freedom of the lord and similarly knowledge should be received the the true knowledge that comes from the divine but it has been replaced by a knowledge which is of practical utility about in life's bazaar that's what knowledge has become and finally power so power also has been replaced the power that flows from the lord that has become one should become a vehicle of that power now that has become nothing but a means for satisfying one's ambition and vanity so the original um, the jagannath chariot stands for that original idea of unity but it has been usurped and distorted by the human ego so the day will come when it will automatically reproduce itself and if you look at the ashram auroville there were attempts to precisely create this ideal society where the divine is at the center freedom is centered around the divine unity is centered around the divine knowledge is what comes by opening to the divine and power you become a vehicle of the divine power by opening to the divine so that is the ideal society which one day will be created the thought is already there but today i'll speak about another beautiful very fascinating temple which is very close to puri i think 60 65 kilometers and it has a very similar history not in terms of the legend of course and that is the famous sun temple konark or konark whichever way you want to put it sun temple kon means angle and ark means sun so it is very close to puri and uh, even in terms of time i think jagannath puri temple is something around 10th or 11th century bc and this one is 13th ad sorry ad and this one is around 13th century ad probably the same lineage of kings so anant varman 
um, had built the initiated the work of Jagannath Puri Temple, whereas the Konark uh, Sun Temple was built by Narsingh Dev, and um, uh, he also in a way attributed to completing of the Jagannath Puri Temple. So there is a kind of uh, um, close correspondence, and it's very interesting that ancient mariners who crossed the place, so they used to call the Jagannath Puri Temple as the White Pagoda. and uh, the konark temple as the black pagoda so the reason for this is very interesting now this temple is a architectural marvel not only architectural marvel it's a technological marvel the sun temple so in what way it's a temple where you have the date the deity is sun so that's how it's the sun temple and uh, the deity is uh, on three sides and there is a huge um, you know the it's a chariot actually it's a chariot with 12 wheels and there are it's it's a uh, there are 24 sections and all of them at least two sections can you can accurately predict the time uh, to the moment by the way the sun falls upon it and when the first gleam of light sunlight comes the whole temple is built in such a way that it enters and touches the diamond which is in the nabhi of the main deity and therefore it scatters the ray so it's a very powerful marvel uh, but this is not the only thing the statue is the only temple in the world as far as i know where originally the statue was floating and for a long time people didn't realize how the statue is hanging in the air but the statue was hanging in the air because of the powerful magnets all around so there was a magnet above and the magnet below and they knew the secret that and it's a symbolic uh, aspect which we'll talk about but just a little about the architectural marvel so the statue was hanging it was all the time in a way floating actually in the air which is a very interesting symbol and the 12 wheel now the main statue has the seven horses of the sun and uh, the main wheels the 12 wheels they represent the 12 months of the whole year so it was the sun temple so the solar calendar is being reproduced and of course the workings of fate now if you see the temple it is very interesting because normally you associate temple with uh, only holy statue but there are two exceptions to this one is the um, if you go to ajanta elora cave temple so you will see uh, human figures making love and you would just wonder that you know how could this be um, in a temple now there the simple uh, explanation used to be that buddhist monks uh, you know they meditated upon these statues to get desensitized but um, uh, my own understanding is that the ancients uh, see this idea of uh, christian morality and victorian morality came later on where you started dividing things into good and bad whereas the ancients were much more bold they didn't look at life like that they looked at life in a very simple way if something was in season it was fine now from a human being point of view things were not themselves good and bad but they were when they were placed out of context of time and place then they became evil now why is so is that there is a beautiful aphorism of shirobindo and there uh, he says and the mother confirms it that what is evil is things which are not in their place and in another aphorism shirobindo says the difference between god and man is that god plays fool in season but man plays the fool in and out of season so basically what does it mean to play a fool in season is that there is a rhythm of time and if we know how to respect that rhythm of time 
then life is flows smoothly now here we are not bringing the idea of transformation it was not meant for transformation has come much later but how human being should live life again at the center is the deity who is this deity this deity is beyond space and time so it's floating in the air <laughs> so the sun actual sun and the chariot wheels if you see each of the wheel at the center it is krishna with the flute and the eight spokes which are basically you know uh, you must have we must have heard the word do pahar is meant for noon so where does the term come from so the whole day was divided into four pahars and there were another four pahar in which night was divided so from morning till 12 noon it is one pahar and two pahar and then again till evening there were two more pahar and again at night there were another four pahars so eight spokes in the wheel and each spoke has um, krishna is in the center of the axle and you will see a beautiful woman she is a rasika prakriti and from morning till evening she is shown in different things like she has woken up she is relaxing she is you know looking into the mirror she is combing her hairs then she is uh, probably tending the fire doing some exercises then you know she is uh, meeting her husband so all these aspects are there like the wheel of life and if you look at the temple design outwardly which is what i was saying you will even see animals you will see um, human beings in um, you know having physical uh contact with each other and one just wonder it's it's a representation of life the entire richness of life is there life is celebrated that it's not about being good or bad it's about where things should be in terms of space and in terms of time and actually if we just understand this simple logic life would be beautiful there are things which are okay at a given point of time and at another point of time they are not okay this was the whole idea in indian thought about the varna ashrama so if you really look at the varna ashrama what was it it is to respect the cycles of time so what was the cycle of time the first if you divide human life into 100 years first 25 years student time lay down the foundation of dharma so that is the brahmacharya ashram brahmacharya is be focused concentrated and understand dharma here was the law of truth that governs life so children were taught in every area what is the law of truth that unfolds itself so like for instance respect earth respect the seasons um, you know what what it means to deal the law of animals the law of human beings what is the deeper truth the subtle laws of life what brings suffering how can you overcome these things so that entire period was to lay the foundation of dharma once you have the foundation of dharma then grahastha so you have first is dharma arth kama so you have the grahastha ashram in which you basically grahast you hold you possess so you are a householder so you have all the joys of life the 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 wealth and property and whatever you may have, family children all these are there now why they are necessary they are necessary as feeders to our growth so once you go through that experience of life grahastha So you have the Brahmacharya Ashram, Grahastha Ashram. Then you have the Vanaprastha Ashram. You have seen life in all its colors. Now you explore something higher. So you, it's not Vana. Vanaprastha is not actually going to Vana, but it's a time when you begin to um, start contemplating upon higher goals of life. And look at the practical aspect of it. A lot of uh, quarrels I see often. 
in let's say an indian household why is it because the mother and father continue to hold the property and everything and basically children are waiting ki when will you take one prast so we don't have the now one prast anymore <laughs> so they are also miserable and children are also miserable but that was a time when you know like the story of yagnwal you gave away whatever you regarded as your position and you go in search of a higher seeking higher truth so your time is spent in that and then after you have done this all this uh, uh, gone through this seeking finally it is moksha sanyas where you completely cut yourself off and plunge yourself in god so this idea of different it this in indian thought it is called as rit chit this is right arrangement right law of things a right <laughs> order and if you respect that order if you respect that law then it's not something evil but when you don't respect that law and order it becomes evil for example very few people are aware that in indian thought there are eight kinds of marriages which are there in the vedas out of which two are null and void six are valid and can you imagine what are those six marriages and one of the like there was this idea of again fourfold order of society so a brahmin man could marry a kshatriya woman um vice versa it was regarded as it was accepted but it was regarded as something mixed that's how the other day we were reading karna karna was a sut putra so sut was not a dalit or some low caste sut was somebody born of a kshatriya uh, man and a brahmin woman so he was regarded as sut it was not something low as you will see it is something quite high up the ladder but there is the right approaches moving up the ladder so the woman can be kshatriya and so this is how the whole society was organized not to go into the details of it with allowing a lot of flexibility and freedom of movement so the entire thing was based on this kind of an order again the evolutionary hierarchy was from the purushukta so you know you have the four layers through which humanity moves the four aspects of the divine so it was a very elaborate uh, probably too elaborate and that also becomes a problem because when you have a thing too elaborate then also it tends to break down so the six marriages of which were regarded as valid in the vedic system one of them was you must have heard is gandharva viva what is gandharva viva where a man and a girl and a boy nobody is a witness sun is the witness god is the witness and they decide to get married you see this in savitri and satyavan it is it was called as gandharva viva so there is no parents are not involved nobody is involved shakuntala and dushyant it's a gandharva viva and it was accepted that yes this is a valid marriage sanctioned by the society but the two which were invalid was rakshasi and asurik where you kidnap has happened some places in i think i won't name the states and you kidnap and forcibly get married or when you give drugs and forcibly have a physical relation now these were regarded as invalid so if we look at it the way the whole society was organized and the temple reflects that but this temple is essentially a temple which speaks about the flow of time which creates fate so in a way it is a unique temple not only because it's a sun temple there are other sun temples all over the world even in india there are sun temples but this is a temple which is about the unfolding of time which weaves the law of fate now one very unique feature about this temple is the only temple as far as i know where the deity is not worshiped 
and there is a very fascinating story about it and i think this story has been misinterpreted so the story goes that narsingh dev had ordered all the 12000 people were involved and they were told that in 12 years whatever 12 what months days ultimately the temple has to be completed and if you don't complete it all of you will die now the story is a legend very clearly it's not like you know any temple who is dedicating it you know any king who is dedicating a temple would be cruel to kill 12000 people but the story is very fascinating so it seems that the entire temple was built except last day what was left was to place the magnet on the top and just then because now they know whatever it is it has remained incomplete so next day all of them will die so suddenly there appears out of the blues one of the son of the king and he says ki i know how to do it and he figures it out and places it and when he places that um, magnet on top it seems as the legend goes he comes to know that you know my father has decided to kill all of them next day so he is filled with remorse and grief and jumps into the ocean from the top of the temple uh, or on the ground and then he dies now because he died the temple became known as a jinx not jinxed but unholy why because it took a, a human being died <laughs> the king's own son died uh, when the temple is completed so the worship was never offered in this temple but i look at it little differently it this story is very interesting because the temple is about fate so look at the twist and turn of fate the twist and turn of fate is that just when it is about to be completed but it doesn't get completed it looks like one day and all of them are going to die but one strategic sacrifice of one human individual can save the collectivity this is a truth which uh, the mother and shubhendra have spoken about it was well known in ancient times that if one human being could strategically this is a famous story of guru tegh bahadur when you know he is asked that when will the british uh, britishers uh, reign come to an end he says if one human being who is pious and holy can sacrifice himself then it will come to an end so then everybody is contemplating who would be the best person and his son says that who else but you father and that's how he sacrificed himself and you know he is he was beheaded in by the moguls not the british by the moguls and then eventually the reign came to an end so this is how uh, this idea of a strategic sacrifice where one individual sacrifices his life for the sake of saving 12000 is one aspect of the story why it is not worship very simply if we look at the temple it's very clear ki it is not worship which alters your fate this is a cons- fate will unfold itself in its own way this is a question somebody asked the mother ultimately the divine will will be done so what is the value of aspiration <laughs> it's a very interesting question that if ultimately the divine will be done means in the last analysis the final thing is already decided so what is the power of aspiration she says it adds an intensity it makes you go through that process with delight this will happen but because of your intensity of aspiration you you are united with the divine and it makes you go through it with a delight deeper understanding of whatever you are going through so here we see that the fate is unfolding itself so what is our role like the spokes in the chariot to align ourselves to the workings of fate 
it's not so much about worship it's about aligning ourselves to the unfolding or the chariot of, chariot of fate which is walking it will go its way driven by the divine who is at the center when man cannot see its farthest end or the lower end but you can align yourself so that's how it is and with this background we have this beautiful poem it's supposed to be an incomplete poem but if you read it it looks quite complete <clears throat> sherbindo in gleam konark or konark whatever way so kon is angle and ark is sun in gleam konark konark of the gods he is right in the beginning <laughs> is no ordinary temple the gods it belongs to the gods perhaps that's why some of these temples human beings cannot even enter it is regarded like nidhi one in vrindavan human beings it's a place where krishna is supposed to have danced but it's not a place where you can go and do pujas and perhaps again if we look at it the deeper sense um you see matri mandir matri mandir is supposed to be free of all symbols you can just concentrate so over a period of time probably this aspect is lost and all that people know is that no worship you don't offer because we are tuned to that idea of worship so in gleam konark konark of the gods a woman sits her body a glimmering ray now i don't know whether shubhendu is referring to this movement of all the but i don't know where is that woman i if somebody can probably enlighten me where is that woman in the konark sun temple i do not know except for the chariot where you see a woman in different uh, poses there is no woman inside but shurbindo is describing the woman who is this woman sits sees the goddess of fate <coughs> in greek mythology and everywhere you will see a woman with a loom she is the goddess of fate what she is doing she is turning the spindle and weaving fate so who is supplying the thread we are supplying the thread <laughs> so all our thoughts feelings hopes wishes desires everything we have given her as raw material so she says okay i'll prepare a dress for you that dress is fate <laughs> so when she prepares a dress sometimes it's ill fitting so we say what a coarse material <laughs> this what you get sometimes well fitting well very good so she says you supplied me the material and the size so she is sitting there a woman sits her body a glimmering ray she is reflecting a greater light that's what she is doing at her feet the moon trails its silvery dreams so this is very interesting that is it only the sun dial there are people who still debate that while two of the uh, you know those wheels they represent the movement of the sun 22 of them probably are to map the movement of the moon nobody really knows about it. it's a secret people have tried to study it so possibly it is also a night dial the dial of the moon but it's far more difficult and complicated to you know map a beam of the moon and try to know the time but that's how it is so at her feet the moon trails its silvery dream so how beautiful it is where is all the material coming from it is coming from the dreams moon is always associated with night and dream so that's where we are sowing all the seeds and then on our head is the sun and the purple day so where are all these ultimately she is speaking about all these dreams and taking them towards the 
son and vice versa. Always she sits there turning a wheel whose summit is lost in lights, its base in the abyss. So this is the completeness of fate. If we look at fate from below, it will look a, a product of chance, accident, circumstances which one cannot make head or tail of what's happening. If you look at it from the abyss point of view, everything will have, because night has shrouded everything. We don't know anything, why fate is the way it is. So it looks like a product of chance, random accidents. But if you look at fate from the top, then it is, fate is truth working out in ignorance. So it depends on how we look at it. So on top is the sun and its farther end. We don't know where it is leading. That's why it is said that keep faith, have trust, because there is no... Uh, outer way. We think of fate as uh, an event and circumstance, but Shubhendra makes it very clear in Savitri, O king, the events that meet thee on the road, though they smite thy body and mind with joy and grief, are not thy fate. So what is fate? Are not thy fate? They touch thee a while and pass. Even death can cut not short thy spirit's walk. So then what is fate? The road, the goal thou choosest are thy fate. So we are not aware of this. What is our deeper goal? We are not aware what divine is planned for us. So we say random, we use the word cruel, destinies like this. But actually we are being prepared through everything towards a grand disclosure. And we don't know that farther end. That future is still undisclosed to us. So that sun effulgence towards which it is uh, going on, on her head. And equally we don't know from where it has emerged. So we see only a small section in time. And we call it fate. But we have forgotten the trail of old forgotten deeds, oblivious personalities. And we are not even aware of the future that is shaping out of it. The beauty Shurabindu uh, reveals to us is that the future is always brighter than what it is uh, in the past. So we don't become like from human beings, we don't become animals and so on. So we always progress. This is the original Vedanta. Even Swami Vivekananda said the same thing in Chicago address in another way. He said that what is the Vedantic teaching? That there is a mighty surge in the ocean which is carrying all of us forward. Sometimes halfway through we break naturally the fly. It's not a one wave which can carry us right to the other side. So we break, we are picked up again and we continue from there. So that's how the journey goes. So farthest end is luminous towards which we are moving. The past is plunged into the abyss inconscient out of which we are emerging. But destiny is not where we are emerging from, but the destiny is where we are going. So it's always a reminder that if you want to shape destiny, don't waste time lamenting over the past. If you want to shape destiny, think of what you want to be. That's the only logical thing to do. What you want to be, what we want to be, that should be the focus of all our efforts and all our goals. So... <clears throat> Whose summit is lost in lights, its base in the abyss. In the temple she sits of the wide, white sun. So this is a temple of the sun, wide, white sun. 
that burns unsetting in an immortal space beyond time. So while this sun seems to set, but it, it, does the sun ever set? No, it never sets. So sun is the symbol, as we know, of the supramental truth of the truth of the divine. So it never sets. It is burning in a immortal space beyond time. So symbol of the supramental. Around her chant the world poem, the deathless nine. Who are these nine? The Navagraha. So it's very interesting. Often people think of Navagraha as the nine planets. Incidentally, the earth and um, I think two more planets, Neptune and Pluto, they are not part of Navagraha. Whereas sun and moon are part of Navagraha. So Navagraha is not about these planets. Navagraha are subtle forces which Shurabindo speaks about. And these subtle forces are, they are cosmic forces. Just like the Saptrishis, the guiding stars. They are the original seven luminous rays or pointers which are guiding the earth through the ways. <coughs> they are the original seers who help us navigate through life. How they will help us? A suggestion here, a thought here, a little change, a twist here. Is their work to do that. So they are the ones who are the guardians of the fate. Whereas the Navagraha, they are nothing. They are only chanting a poem which has been given to them. So the stars don't determine our destiny. The stars are only hieroglyphs. So they are just doing a job. Somebody has given them. Fate has given them. So fate has received it from the sun. And it has told them, read this poem like this. You will read one stanza, then another. So, you know, that's how the sun moves in all the different grass. So, they have no, really, they don't decide our fate. But what they do is, by reading them, you can know. It's like a hieroglyph, that's all. A notation. Not the determinant of fate. Determinant of fate is something else. Around her chant the world poem, the deathless nine. And the feet of the fates dance out the rhyme. So as they are chanting the, so fate dances. Sometimes it dances the, the dance of Krishna and Radha. And sometimes it dances to the tune of Krishna and Kali. So fate is nothing <laughs> but dancing. The goddess of fate has given them the, their role. So they are singing the poem. And where is she receiving the fate? On one side from the truth above and on the other side from the inconscient base below. So where is man? Now comes the rest of the temple. Aligned with fate. What does it mean? Aligned with the law of truth. Fate we don't know. Do things according to season of life. So there is a season and a rhythm. So they respected the rhythms of things. That's why very often we'll see waking up at Brahma Muhurth. So what is Brahma Muhurth? 2.30, 3 o'clock, around that time. It is the time when the whole, whole nature is very quiet. Similarly, late evening, Sandhya Vandan. Again you see when there is a twilight, there is a quietude. And a lot of stories were built around it. Like one story was that during Sandhya Vandan, Shiva is taking the rounds. So just sit quietly in a meditative pose. 
don't do anything fishy at that point of time because its results will be very disastrous and that is how the story goes about ravana's birth so ravana's birth is literally like that uh, pulastrishi and kakashi so kakashi is um, moved by a kind of you know impulse or in um, uh, sexual urge and it's that time when it's time for meditation so pulastrishi tells her this is not the right time and then anyways whatever happens so he says this child is ill begotten because this is not the time when human being should come together in a physical union it's a time for meditation so the child is going to be a disaster look at how they respected time and even suggest you avoid the child kill the child <laughs> because what was important was not all these our moral notions so respecting the rhythms of time you know how we grow and at each age there are different phases mother gives a very nice example about it she says that every fruit has to be eaten in its season so if you eat before it's it's example you can take is mango so you pluck the mango before it's ripe <laughs> what you can make out of it achar pickle <laughs> or maybe some people love to you know eat it with little salt but if you wait or even before that some people may pick up some flowers that bore and put it but if you wait for the right season then you'll have wonderful langda and dasheri sweet mango so that's how everything there is a season and if you learn to respect the season learn to wait and this is said in such a beautiful way by shirbindo to learn to wait is to put time on your side even the divine realizations will follow this pattern time kala is one of the four aids you may do any amount of sitting in meditation tapasya but you have to wait for the divine to reveal himself in his own time in his own way and he will lead us towards that moment through all the various ways circumstances outward situations and inner conditions towards that so we have to learn to wait that is what is meant by that famous poem of milton they to serve who wait so when you wait you serve the divine purpose so this is the great teaching of the temple gods have created life like this there is a rhythm of life the rhythm in the last analysis is decided by the supreme the supramental truth which holds the secret of all things but it's it's seems to emerge from the inconscient past about which we have no idea we have no idea about the future we have supplied the loom and she is spinning fate is spinning the loom and handing over to all of us and whatever fate has decided that's how the navagrahas are singing and fate is dancing before us and what is our role is to align ourselves and if you look at the chariot that gives the last clue all activity there is nothing like this is taboo that is not right good this concept is not even a thing like violence and killing if you see the mahabharata somebody would say but this should not be permissible by god even this has its place in the totality of creation so everything has its season that is the dharma but who is at the center in the in every wheel at the center is krishna with his flute 
So Krishna is playing the flute and based on that melody, the wheel of life is going through all the different phases the entire day. It's a beautiful reminder also that let our lives be woven around the divine. All activities from morning, dressing up, <laughs> going for joy, different actions, cooking, uh, everything, rearing a child, bringing up a child, everything. And at night, finally sleeping. Everything should be with Krishna at the center. This is the message of the Sun Temple of Konark. Namaste.